0: Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to come to you again on the beginning of this week now, Monday, August the 3rd. And as always, we are so privileged and honored uh, to have you join us today, as always, on our podcast as we study the Word of God together. And we had a good weekend, by the grace of God, and we're still alive. You know, uh, Jesus is still coming. (laughs) and and we're going to still preach the gospel as long as we have breath as long as we have breath that's that's we that's what we intend to do is to tell others that jesus is coming we have been in such a tremendous journey in the last few weeks as we've been studying uh this morning in my morning walk i i was able to to listen to friday's uh once again podcast and i tell you uh the way the Lord led uh the podcast answering the question, you know, why did John speak in the manner that he that he spoke and and the way uh you know uh, my brothers all of us began to answer the question, I believe it's so important if we have a keen ear to hear, to listen how God brings revelation of His word to us. And I really uh, love the example you use, Brother Marty, uh, the example you use of Ruth when, uh, you know, some of the grain was left for her to pick up, you know. And, mm-hmm. and that's the way that, that that the Holy Spirit works in Jesus. He leaves us clues to see, uh, to provoke those that are hungry to go after and search these things. And revelation that comes, you know, as we mentioned on Friday, through tears, through prayer seeking the Lord. Amen. And uh it was just beautiful. So many tremendous points. We went to the book of Psalms 49. We studied how how Paul got his revelation, how you know, of Jesus Christ, how Peter and so forth and it was a a beautiful beautiful uh teaching uh, that is uh very uh, was very dear to my heart as I learned, but also I believe for those of you and if you haven't heard it, go back and hear it. I think it would help you, because I believe if you're tuning into these podcasts, it's because you are hungry for Him, and it's because the Spirit of the Lord is drawing you. So this week is no different. We we can only expect for God to move once again, and I know that God will have fresh manna for us this week. And so be in prayer and uh, have your ears, your spirit open, your heart open to receive what God has for us today. It's always a, pre- uh, a privilege and an honor uh, for us to come together uh, today with our panel, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, uh, to be able, as always, to come together and study the Word. And so, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you uh, to share what God has placed in your heart today as we study the Word of God together.
1: Amen. (laughs) Well, welcome back to another week in the Lord, and uh, we're looking forward to continuing our study in John chapter 21. As Brother Jeremy said, we got uh, led in a direction um, that was really pretty cool, you know, searching things that you you take for granted sometimes that that people understand, but but then you realize there's so much depth in the Word of God, it's inexhaustible, and uh, it was very encouraging. And, uh, and we're glad to be back. Um, we're gonna pick up where we, where we started, uh, uh, on Friday. Never got to it, but, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot yet that we need to look at in, uh, in John chapter 21. And like we spoke before, um, you know, John's 21st chapter, uh, the more I've done research on it, the more I, I tend to agree with what, what these scholars are saying as they study the origins of the, Of the sacred writings of the Bible, they come to uh, an understanding that the 21st chapter of John was actually added uh, as an addendum, as as an additional final thought or final note that became the 21st chapter of his gospel. It's something that he didn't write until quite possibly after he had uh, been given the book of Revelation. And one of the reasons that he wrote it, and it might have been just before or just after, but either way, It's significant that it's just before he was about to return home to heaven at the end of his life. Uh, We talked about the controversy that was circling in the early church that John uh, the Apostle wasn't going to die. Uh, Based on this historical account that we've been looking at in John chapter 21, John felt it necessary, according to many, many scholars and theologians, to add this chapter because he knew that it would shake the faith of the early church uh, seeing how many rumors were circulating that uh, that it had been said uh, that he wasn't going to die, uh, and the reason that is, as we've talked about at length, you know, in the 21st chapter, when the Lord uh, spoke to Peter and revealed to Peter exactly how he would um, he would die and, and 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 glorify the Lord with his his martyrdom in Rome, um, as they were walking on the shore, Peter asked the Lord, "What's going to happen to John?" And the Lord said, you know, that's not for you to, to really focus on, Peter. Basically, to paraphrase it, he, he basically told him, hey, you know, you get to work here. You know, you do what you need to do. And, and then he said, if I want for him to live until I come, until I return, what is that to you? Follow me. And so based on that phrase, it, it circulated, it began to circulate throughout the early church that, that he, had, uh, he had said John wouldn't die until the Lord returned. And so John felt compelled to to set the record straight. And so he began uh, by writing this 21st chapter and, and, and completing his gospel with, with this final chapter, wherein he said, you know, the Lord didn't say I wasn't going to die. He said, if I don't want him to die, what is that to you? So he wanted to clear that up, knowing what was just ahead. Some of the greatest persecution of the church was just ahead. And and of course, they would see the Lord pass away. Uh, I mean, uh, John pass away and go to be with his Lord. And uh, and so he felt it necessary to to just clear that up. But yet, what's interesting and what's, what's really amazing to me <clears throat> is that, like we've been discussing, is that we're seeing hidden prophecy in the historical account of what happened in the 21st chapter. And as we talked about many times already over the last couple of weeks, <clears throat> John emphasizes three particular appearances of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples. Uh, the first one was in the room where the doors were shut. He appeared to them. He he, he commissioned them. He breathed on them uh, to receive the Holy Spirit. But one of the apostles was missing, and that was Thomas. Eight days later, he would appear to Thomas. That's the second uh, appearance that John emphasizes. And then he closes the 20th chapter by saying, I spoke all these things so you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And then it's years later that he writes the 21st chapter, and that's where he includes his third appearance. And we've discussed the many uh, metaphors, allegories, types, shadows of this kind of of writing that John did. And and like we said, you know, the, the way that John wrote was in such a deeply spiritual way um as to conceal nuggets of truth and revelation concerning uh many of the end time events john was the most mystical of the writers the most spiritual of the gospel uh accounts i think is found in the gospel of john and and so we encourage you to go back and listen to this series uh basically which has been covering um these these last two chapters of the gospel of john and all the wonderful things we've been seeing so That brings us to today's study, and Brother Jeremy, I'd like you to begin, if you would, and those of you who are just joining us, this is more of a Bible study, searching deeper things and deeper meanings, and so we encourage you to get your Bibles out and to to follow along with us, and I think uh, prayerfully and humbly that uh, by the Holy Spirit, we'll see some pretty amazing things as we continue. So, Brother Jeremy, could you read, uh, uh, if you would, today, uh, John chapter 21, verse 3 through 7? And then we'll begin to discuss, uh, emphasizing really in verse 4 what we're going to discuss. But I'd like you for context to read 3 through 7 in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now, they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. My
1: mind, there's so much in here. And, and again, as we begin this week, uh, we're going to uh take our time um because there's so much here and 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 we we really do need to to focus on on what what is being revealed here and so we're going to uh really basically take uh the brunt of what we're talking about today from the fourth uh verse we'll begin there, but you know as we said again w- what we're seeing is hidden prophecy in the historical accounts that John wrote. And, and he did this very much quite on purpose as he was led by the Holy Spirit. As we discussed in the story, when he begins the 21st chapter, he, he, he sets the tone by drawing our attention, uh, to the Sea of Tiberias. We've talked about at length that the Sea of Tiberius is not its, its original name. It's really the Sea of Galilee. And these are the kinds of ways that the Holy Spirit had John talk and write. You know, because everything that he's writing is, is incredibly detailed from verse one through what Brother Jeremy just read. We have the Sea of Tiberius, And then in verse two, he names seven disciples, seven being the number of the church. He talks about how they go on to the Sea of Tiberias at night. And the word that he uses in the Greek there is, is referencing midnight. And, and these kinds of symbolic language or attention to detailed terms are meant to um to trigger a, a a spiritual response in how we approach what's being written. The Lord conceals things in his word and he does so specifically for uh his children that seek after him and and, and that long to 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 learn from him. We're not talking about the casual Christian here. Or, or the person who simply reads, uh, you know, a verse of scripture off their promise calendar in the kitchen. And this isn't the kind of study we're doing here. So, so to, and and so we're getting we're getting you know deeper into these things, and and uh, and we're going to focus today on on the fourth verse because what we have here is a condition that we've talked about, and that is that the sea of Tiberius is is symbolically representing the end of the world the sea comparing scripture with scripture like we said revelation 17 verse 15 for example likens the sea that the whore of babylon is sitting on uh to, to many waters or to many people tribes tongues nations of the world and then tiberius is is the roman uh is the roman emperor the caesar uh, and, and so in this kind of, of 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 metaphoric language or or interpretation of the scripture um as long as it remains consistent with doctrine we can begin to glean the kinds of prophetic insights that that are possibly concealed here by the apostle and so what we're talking about is that he identifies the sea of tiberius so that we'll know uh in in a deeper level that what he's really referencing and what's really uh being concealed there has a reference in shadow in type if you will in an allegorical sense all fancy words but but it literally means that it, it's to draw our the focus of our meditative process in the scripture to that time that's been prophesied by the apostle John himself in the book of Revelation where there will be a one world ruler uh dominating the sea or the nations of the world if you will with a one world system and now it's into this kind of path of understanding that we've been exploring to, and what we what we pointed out there was in verse 2 how he goes on to talk about the church referencing uh You know the seven disciples that he names in verse two so he's identifying a church uh with the end time where the antichrist will be in power where the sea will be being dominated with a roman like type political uh military and religious system that is prophesied throughout the prophets and and the apostles writings so then we came into verse three And we began to bear down on what seems to be being revealed there is that they go fishing into this kind of a climate at night and that night representing midnight. Midnight is always in the scripture uh, uh, symbolic of the end of time or that tribulation period that is prophesied to come upon the face of the earth. And so it's at that night that the church represented by the seven disciples in a in a ship are fishing and they catch nothing there's no fish being caught and and we talked about that at at length we talked about the difficulty that some would have with what some of the statements we made and that is what appears to be being revealed as it is revealed in the book of revelation that there will come a, a a time in the not too distant future where fishing on the sea or 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 attempting to evangelize if you will if you want to look at it in that way will become increasingly difficult to the point where there will be no fruit there will be none being saved uh it is because as the bible points out in the book of revelation uh, that there's really coming a separation Uh, and the bible presents it in revelation 13 as a time when there'll be a one world system a one world government the framework which has already been laid over multiple decades in our time, if you really look at it. And what's beginning to emerge out of twenty twenty is 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 a is as if we're being propelled and accelerated into that very system that the Bible predicted. And so it's very interesting that John uses these kinds of terms and then emphasizes that that whole night, uh, which is, is symbolic of the midnight or tribulation into great tribulation period the efforts of the church represented by the seven disciples in the ship will will no longer be bearing fruit. We're talking about a time and a climate and a darkness that, that is descending upon the planet to where there will be no longer, um, you know, that fruitful uh, harvest, that great evangelistic harvest that we've known, uh, many of us, for, for many years that, that really occurred in the 20th century, a great harvest that took place with great evangelists like Billy Graham and, and the like, who went forth into all the world and, and preached the gospel, and, and, and we saw a great harvest of souls. <clears throat> but we don't see that anymore. And we think that, that because of that, what we're seeing is is what John is explaining here, is that, that, that in the future, that it's going to become so difficult to catch anything. Precisely, and we don't have time to get into it at length, but because the sea itself has been given over to to a complete rejection of God. And and our efforts will be futile if we, um, you know, exert ourselves in that, that those efforts that we've always exerted ourselves in. These were fishermen. They knew how to fish. Like Brother Jeremy pointed out the other day, they were expert fishermen. And yet even all their skill and all their ability was not enough in this scenario that we're putting forth to catch the fish. And this is very important to understand and it's going to become even more and more apparent as we go forth. I'll give you an example of that kind of darkness that's already begun to break forth. I'd like Brother Jeremy if if you would just, you know, briefly describe to us that article you sent
0: me this morning. What what did you see in that article that you sent me this morning? Do you remember? Yes, yes. So basically what it what it was is that protesters Uh, In in Portland, Oregon, they've been protesting consecutively over 50 days, every single day. And about 12 midnight, think about that, (laughs) around the the midnight hour, they began to burn first Bibles and the American flags. Not one Bible, but uh, as one article described it, many Bibles at a time. This is what they were doing. They were burning Bibles and our American flags. So I sent that to you. This was yesterday, around the midnight hour.
1: And so that that really lends credence to what we're talking about here. And it says around the midnight hour. I didn't get a chance to read it. I just saw the headline that they were burning Bibles in the flight. It says near yeah. the midnight hour. <laughs> well, I t-
0: yes. I look it you up, know? and I'm gonna tell you what as you speak.
1: Yeah, but so- yes. But yes. So this is what we see, the, the scenario, the prophetic. Those of you who've been following us for, for some, this whole series, you know what we're talking about right now. Those of you just joining us, we encourage you to go back and listen. I think we're on our 13th podcast in this series now concerning these end-time events as revealed in John 20 and 21. And so this brings us to this midnight hour, verse 3, which we're talking about, is that is that it's important to understand the scenario that the Bible is laying out in front of us. One of the things that has happened in this year 2020 is is literally uh, something that historically has come upon the planet, the world, mm-hmm. unsuspecting. Uh, if you go back to January of 2020 and you listen to all these false prophets in the hyper charismatic and even denominational world, none of them saw it coming. As a matter of fact, I sent Brother Jeremy at the, <laughs> at the beginning of the year, I think at Brother Fernando, uh, like the the most famous American prophets today, right? So-called prophets and all their predictions for what was coming in 2020. Right. And uh, most, right. Most of it was, you know, success, prosperity, we're going to march all the way to the white house, all that stuff, you know, well, it was just six weeks into the year that, that the whole world changed. And, and so what, right. So what we're seeing and, and what we're and what we have seen since then is absolutely extraordinary, in the laws that have been passed in the uh you know the the lockdowns we've experienced um it was it was, it was it's almost surrealistic i'll give you an example The uh, on saturday was my daughter's birthday and so we went out to dinner uh, and it was just crazy i haven't actually been out to a restaurant until saturday uh for the first time all, uh, in months and so we decided to go and it was the weirdest thing man walking around and seeing everybody in masks everybody's wearing mm-hmm. masks over here and then and then i just thought about the absurdity of it cuz when you get to the restaurant it says you can't be served unless you're wearing a mask but as soon as you walk into the restaurant you can take off your mask and eat <laughs> and sit there and talk and laugh this is so insane Bro. Right?
0: right and then
1: and, and everybody all the waiters and all that have masks on and it just looks it just felt so unnatural okay so we we do our dinner we have our little cake and all that and you know god bless and we love each other and we're all going back to our cars and as we come around the corner uh here comes about 100 200 people marching up the street protesters and and it was the most it was the most bizarre collection of individuals you could ever imagine <laughs> flying every, flying every color of flag there was I'm not, i don't mean to offend anybody there was this one man if you want to call him that walking down the street couldn't have been more than 25 to 30 years old and he's a pretty tall guy he looked like he was about 6'2 6'3 and he's wearing a woman's bikini
2: and oh, wow. and uh,
1: and, and, and marching with signs, you know, and, and carrying a, a multicolored flag, and, you know, and they were all yelling their slogans. And I just thought, what a surreal world.
2: Right.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, this is just such yeah. a surreal world. And I was like, you know, midnight brother, is wow. here. It's here. It's kind
0: of brother, brother Marty, I, I found a little, you know, from the article you, you told, you asked me to, to share. I just want to read a little excerpt because it's, it's, it's just interesting the word. It's, it says that through that Friday night demonstrations, I'm so talking about what happened in Portland. Uh, demonstrators were largely peaceful and continued without the presence of police or federal officers. But look what it says now. But then the atmosphere changed around 12:30 a.m. Wow. People began starting a fire in the street in front of the federal courthouse, which started with the burning. With burning a Bible than an American flag so uh, just just to lend credence to what we're saying (laughs) at the midnight hour the it says the atmosphere changed Wow I mean that's you know yeah I mean that's incredible but think about what we're
1: saying here because I mean over the weekend we also saw over a million people a million people they say uh, marched in, in Berlin you know, marching wow. in Berlin. Uh, you see, in, even in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv in Israel, you see uh, the whole Antifa crowd and 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 all that whole you know uh, protest movement in Israel. And and you look at what's taking place in Hong Kong. You know, and the brothers that are being persecuted there, and, and China breaking its deals and, and moving into Hong Kong and, and implementing uh, police state ideology not to mention the persecution that's taking place on an uh, an incredibly uh, vicious level in China amongst uh, millions and millions of believers, where the state uh, Communist Party is going into uh, where the churches are and and tearing them down, burning them, burning Bibles. They've actually taken the scriptures and rewritten them to more closely follow uh, the Communist Manifesto. And I thought mm-hmm. when I read that article about how President Xi in China has changed the uh, the, the Bible, and and uh, I thought about that that scripture in the Book of Revelation says, you know, woe unto him that you know change, you know, takes anything out of the book or or adds to Dad. the book, right? You know, yeah. the, God, God's gonna add to him all the curses in the book. These are devilish people, these are evil people, and the church is being persecuted around the world. And the same uh, goes forth uh, in Africa. I read an article over the weekend of a young boy uh, who was kidnapped by a Muslim extremist group uh, up in East Africa there. And uh, they brought him before the council, uh, their their devilish council there, and demanded that he renounce his faith in Christ um, or they would cut off his hand. And it, this, this boy didn't look like he was more than 11, 12 years old, but he refused to deny the Lord. And indeed, they they wow. they cut off wow. his hand, you know. And and, wow. and and that's just that's just a sprinkling of what's going on. Then here in America, what you were just talking about, you know, we have we have the, these people. It's interesting that it was just after midnight, right, 12:30 or so, and the wording right. that the reporter used. The atmosphere changed. What is he talking about? He doesn't even know, does he? But he sensed it. No right, right? It, it, it's the demonic power that's breaking loose uh, i was talking to my mother-in-law this morning and and uh, one of the things that that you know we were talking about was was the extreme changes that are taking place in the country and uh, and i said you know it, that old saying that says <laughs> the horse has been let out of the barn right Uh, You know, we began to discuss uh, and I told her, I said, I honestly fear that we're not going to be able to put the horse back in the barn. It's too late. Mm. And I don't you know, and I don't you know, when you see in the United States of America that they take the very found the the symbols of the very foundation of the nation in front symbolically of the federal government building. Right. And then they create a bonfire and the thing that they want to burn. Is, right. is the Holy Word of God. Now you tell me that you can go down there and try fish for souls right there. What we've been right. seeing is uh, there have been sincere brothers gone down in these crowds trying to witness to people, and they've been met with violence and, and, uh, and, and demonic slurs. They're coming up into the churches. Uh, the one guy who crashed into that Catholic church in Florida a couple of weeks ago with his van, Crashed into the church, got out of his car, uh, had had uh, cans and cans of gasoline and poured it all over the place with people getting ready to celebrate their their mass or whatever the Catholics call it, the mass, and he lights the church on fire. Um, the Bibles being burned, the the, the 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 statues of Jesus and Mary, their head being cut off. What in the world is going on? Now don't mm. don't think that this kind of thing can't come where you are. It's coming. It's already begun. One of the things that, that that actually stunned me early on in this whole thing that's you know, this whole climate that we're we're finding ourselves in is uh one of the small towns uh in California where 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 my wife and, and my mother and father in law come from, uh <clears throat> some some guy thought it would be a good idea to invite these protesters to this little town. It's a 3,000 people. It's just a little town. And we I mean the the worst kind of crime you ever see there is maybe a dog bite or something, you know. I mean nothing <laughs> that
0: crazy, right? I mean
1: but he he invites these people to come and march up and down the street and they bust them in. You know, it's 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 like 4 hours in either direction. They had to come from the major cities, but they came. And I thought you you idiot you know, you actually alerted these people to where you exist. But then I began to see articles popping up all over the country in, in the most rural of areas in the small town of right. America. They've been sending these protesters. What are you trying to say, Brother Marty? What, what's actually happening is being inspired by demonic power. And, yes. and the fact that they're sending them into these small areas, into these smaller towns, you know what they're trying to do is create a climate of fear. And to announce Mm -hmm. their presence, that we're not just going to be hanging out in the big cities. Don't think because you're out there in in, in small town America uh, that you're going to be untouched. That's why they're sending their groups there, because they want to create a a a climate of intimidation, a climate of 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 fear. But you Mm -hmm. see, that's what we're
2: seeing here,
1: and that brings us to the fourth verse, because. What we're talking about, <laughs> you probably go.
2: How does that connect? To John? I'll say. I'll say this. Ahead, I'll say this, brother Marty. We're not being pessimistic evangelists here, right? No. <laughs> not that. That's a good word. Not yeah. at all. I think. I think. You know, we we've done a lot of evangelism. We've traveled to many places. Uh, uh, us three, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. And, and all over the world, the nation, and and and, and we've we've held meetings and and, and held crusades um, and, and done whatever is possible, you know, to, to get the, to bring the gospel forth. And, and so, so we're not, we're not these pessimistic evangelists that, that think that the gospel has no power, right? There's probably somebody saying out there, well, you'll never, you'll never preach the gospel, you know, preach the gospel with right. power if, if if you if you take that stand, you know, right. quote the apostle Paul, you know, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, to, uh, unto, of God unto salvation. Yes correct but the question is can we find instances in scripture where this climate exists i mean you had 400 years until until john the baptist showed up in crying out in the wilderness where there was no true prophetic word right even even christ's ministry towards the end we see that it didn't have that luster that 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 you know that that fame that it had at at its initial uh beginnings. Right. Okay. So we do find in scripture I mean in the days of Samuel. It says or yes. in, the, in the judges as well it says that the word of God was precious. There was no open vision. It was a rare yeah. thing.
0: And everyone did right? what they wanted, right? In the last the last verse of judges. Yes,
2: right. So yes, it is happened in scripture. And I believe that we are entering the same phase today. Now, that doesn't mean that people won't get saved. They will right. get saved. But, but but we have to put prophecy in order. Because prophecy never yeah. breaks from its pattern, right? right? There has to come a divide. A divide is taking place. Yes. All right? Yeah. And then once we know who's on whose side, then we're going to know who are the ones that need the gospel. Preach to them and oh, talk. Yeah.
1: Yes, amen. And and I think Amen. that that as and we, whoever
2: and whoever and whoever wants to get saved, they got to come out of that system, come out, from and be you separate. Amen. That's, that's right.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's what's being revealed here. It, it, and again, we encourage those who are just joining us to go back and at least listen to the last three or four podcasts so that you can understand where we're at. We come to the fourth verse, and what we've been laying out the scenario is that what John seems to be revealing here in the historical account is as we come into the tribulation period, and then finally the, the last three and a half years of, of human history prior to the return of the Lord, uh, what we see is a world dominated by, by an Antichrist and his global system. And that's what we see revealed in verse one, is that, that he draws our attention to the Sea of Tiberias. And we see a church fully formed. That's what we see in verse two, because he counts seven disciples in a ship that go on this sea that's called the Sea of Tiberias, representing the Antichrist in the global system. And what he's quite possibly trying to tell us, remember this 21st chapter was added quite possibly just after he had had the vision of the book of Revelation. And so it's the last, one of the last things that he will ever write. And, and he's adding this 21st chapter as an addendum but with the inspiration and the fully developed apostle who writes in a multiple uh, revelatory way in other words to make it you know not so complicated there's layer upon layer upon layer <clears throat> and and it it's it's written like a cipher it's written like a, a a maze if you will in order to deter the casual uh, observer from understanding fully what is being revealed to the child of God so that he can navigate himself in these most turbulent times. And so when he emphasizes that at that night time that is just ahead of us, we already have been discussing at length in this podcast early on, the kinds of little uh, events that we pointed out, there's multiple more around the world taking place. And just because the casual Christian isn't aware of it, it doesn't make it not so. It is happening. If you have eyes to see and you have a sense of any kind of spiritual depth or quality uh, uh, in yourself or in your fellowships out there, then you know this is not like it's ever been before, that it is a very precarious thing. And unless the Lord himself intervenes, though I don't see that happening in the sense that he will peel it back and allow us to to return to some sense of what they call (laughs) normal, you know. But lest we forget, especially in this country, uh, you know, it's been that way around the world. But for the last 20 years uh, in the United States, uh, ever since 9-11, the the move toward uh, the absolute rejection of God and his principles and his, his demands upon a nation when its inception and foundation was founded on a covenant that it prayed before God asking for his blessing in the newly formed nation. And indeed, he caused this to be almost like a, a, another Israel and that it, it became the most prosperous country that has ever been in the history of the planet, a land truly flowing with milk and honey. God doesn't forget these things. And, and he visits uh, every generation based on his covenants with those who called out to him in previous generations. That's the pattern that we see in Israel when he brought the children of Israel into the promised land, he told them, it ain't because you guys are so awesome. It's because your forefathers were. And that's why I'm bringing you into this land, because I promised them that I would, and I'm going to bless you. But he did warn them and say, look, if you go in there and you forget that it is the Lord your God who has given you the power to get wealth and to bless you and so forth and so on, and, and you turn aside from me, and you bring these these idolatrous heathen demonic practices into your nation and then into your home, and, and, and yet you you walk as though you're the people of God or a blessed nation. He said, "I will destroy you. I have to." and And I think that that's what we're witnessing in this country is that we have had decade upon decade of, of, of rebellion that has thoroughly corrupted the nation from the top to the bottom there's no Mm. soundness in it the streets are filled with violence our Mm. nation's land cries out with innocent blood that has been shed in, in 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 the church of the abortion clinics where they celebrate death and where even the sanctity and the holiness of a mother's womb is no longer a place of safety for a child and and we've we've murdered babies in the womb over since 1973 to the tune uh, averaging out somewhere close to two million children every single year. Uh, and, and when you when you add that up to where we are today, what is that? 27 years to the year 2000. That's 47 years times two is 54. Uh, that's a s4. That's four. That, that's almost a hundred million people that were killed in their ba- in their mother's womb if I'm doing my math correct, give or take a few million, what does it matter? That blood cries out, just like he told Cain, your brother's blood cries to me from the earth, <laughs> I mean, don't think that the land is not stained with blood. Or what of what of the, the, the cultural uh decline and the rejection of the constraints of God's holy word upon a nation that once used to pack its churches on Sunday but now and and given over the last few years you you do well to, to to find uh what once was you know the very heart of the blessing of this country and so what's happened has created a vacuum by which the removal of god has been replaced by a flood of of debauchery idolatry adultery abortion Homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, uh, uh, Satanism, the occult, uh, the legalization uh, of, of, of drugs, you know, a nation that's that's so numb to itself that it doesn't even it's not even reachable. But remember, God always has his people. But you see, John is trying to paint this picture like we're talking about, that the night is coming, the midnight is coming, where the attempt to catch fish will be will be fruitless. And he says, when the scenario gets to that, that brings us to the fourth verse. Can you
0: read that, Brother Jeremy, verse 4, 21-4? Four. Yes, yes. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was jesus
1: now what we're about to discuss here briefly and we'll pick it up again tomorrow and go even deeper into it but what we're going to discuss briefly is what brother fernando pointed out is, is very key to also remember whenever you take the interpretative direction and and try to glean uh in an allegorical way you know in the types and the shadows It must remain consistent with established orthodoxy, established doctrine, what the scriptures have plainly revealed prophetically. And and if you stay true to that, then you will begin to see patterns emerge that are consistent, but have been hidden, if you will, for the undiscerning eye. What we see here, therefore, in verse 3, is that at the midnight hour, what John is alerting ourselves to is you'll have a Tiberius-like figure over the sea. You'll have an antichrist spirit beginning to come upon the sea and that in that time between the midnight hour and the and the dawning of the day it is going to become increasingly dark and increasingly difficult for the church to do its commissioned work it will catch no fish and we need to understand that comparing other scriptures with other scriptures It is precisely because of that kind of a climate we've been discussing that's already breaking forth on on all sides, man, in this country and around the world that we can see the burning of Bibles, the burning down of churches, the persecution of of the people of God, so forth and so, so on all over the world. This is what we're beginning to see emerge. And so when John comes to the fourth verse, he begins again to be very detailed when he says, but when the morning was now come. It doesn't mean that the morning had come when you actually break down the Greek words there. What he's talking about there is sometime between three o'clock and six o'clock in the morning. That's literally what it means there. It means the dawning of the day or the breaking of the day. It doesn't mean that the day has fully come. It just means that it's getting close. But it's interesting because taking prophetic scripture with pres- prophetic scripture, there is, there is the midnight hour, then comes the morning. But it's the in between that we're focused on here, and I think he interjects something here that that we need to take note of because he says when the morning is come or or is about to come, because that's literally what it means in the darkest part of the night, sometime between three and six in the morning, and why he writes it that way is, is in keeping consistent with what the scripture reveals in other parts is because no man knows the day or the hour, and then he and then he but 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 he can know, like the Apostle Paul revealed to us, the times and the seasons, right? When he wrote, brothers, of the times and the seasons, you need not uh, that I write you, right? For, you know, that that day uh, should not come upon you unaware. You know, we, we should be generally aware of the times that we're living in. And so it, it carries with it that kind of a sense. So it's in that time that we see Jesus standing on the shore.
0: Right? Verse 4.
1: Can you read that again, Brother Jeremy?
0: Yes. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus.
1: As we'll go on in this uh, study, what you'll see is, is is the metaphor here. The shore represents heaven it represents heaven and 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 what jesus is about to do in the balance of this story is call the disciples off the sea he's going to call them off the sea and they're going to come out of the sea with an abundance of perfect fish basically and and that that is really representative of of the final harvest the rapture of the church all these kinds of things The timing is is probably different than most people, uh, you know, would like to believe. But but taking the flow of the scripture here, it is sometime in the middle of this darkness uh, and just before the daybreak that then we begin to see something. And that is Jesus standing on the shore. And, And what is being revealed in the way that John interjects this fourth verse is that Jesus is on the shore. And he goes on to say, but the disciples don't know it. So what's interesting is it it quite possibly is hinting at at the prophesied persecution and trials that the end-time believer is going to go through before the fish are taken out of the sea. He stands on the shore. It's symbolic. So (laughs) can... before you get totally in despair right i mean just just remember that john is also he starts the verse by trying to encourage us that it's almost daytime yes so right so it's not like it's going to be a week from now or a month from now or 10 years from now i mean however how he writes it right he says it's just before the daybreak that jesus is standing on the shore now you now i'm talking to you at a very grown-up level here now for biblical interpretation at least in the way that, not that we're growing up, but that the way that John is writing here, it is not easily discerned, but it's there. And, and as we get along in the story in the coming days, you'll see even more. But it, he's hinting at persecution and trials. But he, and, 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 and again, like I said, he begins the fourth verse by saying that daybreak is at hand. The morning is almost at hand or the morning has come. And so we see also, though, that persecution is hinted at, like I said, because how he says that Jesus decided to show himself. Brother Jeremy, would you read verse 21? I mean, chapter 21, verse 1 again?
0: Yes. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself.
1: So, for King in King James' language, basically, he's saying, and on this wise, this is how this is how Jesus showed Himself. He, to put it in our own language, He's literally saying, "This is how Jesus chose to reveal Himself to us in this story that He's writing, in this historical account of their fishing expedition." He said, "This is how Jesus revealed Himself to us. He revealed to Himself sometime between three three and six o'clock in the morning, just before the daybreak, just as the morning is coming. It's in that 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 brief period." that's when he stood on the shore comparing scripture with scripture the shore is symbolic of heaven and especially the way that he's writing here the shore is heaven and and where he's where he's about to call us to right we know he's about to call them off the sea and the sea is the world and the shore therefore is heaven he's going to tell them uh where to find the fish but first we see him standing we see him standing on the shore, and this is how he presents himself. That's what John said. That's how he first presents himself, and it's standing on the shore just before the daybreak. Now, what we want to do uh, is, is consider that John, uh, like we said, is describing Jesus standing on the shore. So it's possible then, and you can you can jump in anytime you want, but this is where we're headed. It's possible that it is a revelation of the coming trials and persecutions before the dawn, before the sun, before the daybreak. Something that the church in the West simply can't fathom. Something that the church doesn't understand and it doesn't want to consider. But it's something that the scripture has always told us about. You brothers were just, you were just mentioning several things from every man doing what was right in his own sight to the the story of Samuel you quoted, Brother Fernando, uh, to, uh, you know, there, there's no open vision, right? And uh, the 400 years yeah. of silence between the Old and the New Testament, on and on, Jesus reaching the end of his well-celebrated ministry only to find a handful and even they scattered in every direction when it came time for a garden of gethsemane experience a trial and a crucifixion a martyrdom of the very son of the living god but thank god Amen. the morning came right the morning Amen. comes right Amen.
2: <laughs> go ahead yeah. what were you gonna say no i'm in complete agreement it's 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 the uh evidence that we find in scripture that these times do happen, but they're meant for something, you know, it's, it's God, God bringing, like you said, a morning, a new expression of himself to this generation. That's what he's trying to do because we've completely rejected God. We, and there is a generation that doesn't even know him. So he's looking to sanctify his name again. That's what he's looking to do. That's what I think he told the prophet Ezekiel that I will sanctify my name. I'm going to do it. I don't need no help. I'm going to do it myself, right? And that's what he's doing right now.
1: And that's what we're seeing here in verse three, that it's at this midnight that the door is shut, that the ability to catch fish in the same skilled ways that they had always done it before has proved futile. It's meant to alert us to danger and to uh, the fact of what you just said. I don't need you to catch fish. As a matter of fact, if you try it with your own effort at this specific time when it's darkest and and represented by all the things we've been talking about, he says you will not be able to catch fish. And it's going to be precisely, as John points out in verse 4, as the morning is coming closer, right? The morning now come. Like we said, literally, go get yourself a simple, strong, cord, and you'll see literally what he's referencing is the time between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. It's not sunlight yet. Go ahead.
0: So it's twofold, uh, you know, what he's saying in verse 4. First, he's telling us that the morning was now come, and as, as you said, I looked it up myself, and it does reference it between the time of 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Somewhere yeah. around that time, in the darkest hour, remember, the Bible says that the disciples had, you know, they had fished the whole night. So they, they had toiled the whole night through the midnight hour. And maybe even up to now, it was exhausting. You know, they were trying to catch fish, and they couldn't. And then and then he gives us a clue that Jesus was there, but he could not be. He, they knew not that he was there. But it's twofold, because at the same time, he's telling us, but the daybreak was coming. <laughs> yes. he, so, So Jesus is soon to appear. But there is that toiling within the midnight hour all the way to three, four, I don't know. More, three four in the morning or whatever time it was where they were toiling and they could not catch anything That, that that's very revealing what, what, what he's telling us i think it's twofold right you know one part you know they toiled at night but they couldn't catch anything jesus is there they could not see him but at the same time he's telling us daybreak is about to show up
1: yeah, and that's really important what you just pointed out there uh in and uh, on on all those things that you said. Uh, the one, I think he starts with the morning. You know, he could have said and but he words it like we said again, he words it very specifically guided by the Holy Spirit. He could have written it uh they caught nothing and Jesus was standing on the shore. The morning was almost there, but they didn't know it. I mean, he didn't write it like that.
2: Right. He
1: first he first mentions the morning. And and those are clues like you said. It, one, it's meant to encourage that that what's about to follow uh is is for a very short time frame in the way that he writes. That yeah. the morning is coming. It is coming, and he wants us to know that because the next thing he says, that's when he identifies that Jesus is now standing on the shore. Now we know that the sea being a type of the world and the Lord about to call his disciples off the sea with all those fish in a net therefore the shore itself where he's standing represents heaven and 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 he's about to call us there but he shows us him standing and then he says like you just pointed out the disciples don't know that it's him they don't know that he's he's actually standing on the shore and 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 like we said This is this is a revelation of the coming trial before the dawn. Something that the church in the West doesn't really want to consider. It doesn't understand it. It doesn't want to think about such things. But it's possible that this is why John is emphasizing that the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. What's happening, what's going on, the darkness, all of that, he says, it it gives you a sense that the church at that time and And subsequently, we believe our time, not too many days in the distant future, it, it reveals uh, an, an unawareness of the activity of the Lord, or the ability to actually recognize him in the affairs of, of, of what's going on at the time, because it says they don't know that it's Jesus. and And, and one of the reasons we pointed that out earlier in the, in the previous podcast before this one is because it's it's dark. And that 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 means that the darkness will be such that 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 we won't even be able to recognize him. It's going to get that intense. Now, I, now, like you said, brother Jeremy, there's there, there's multiple reasons what he's hinting here, but but it can also in, imply these two things with that understanding in mind. That it's and I'm going to show you in 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 a, in a minute here why he's standing and what it seems to be implying at the timing now. Remember the midnight hour just before the daybreak, no fish being caught. Uh, The morning will come, but now he's standing and the disciples really don't know that it's him. They don't know that everything that's about to transpire and is transpiring is him. He's in control. He's in charge. It, It implies a couple of things. One, it can imply that an end time church Uh, that there's an end-time church that never understood what had always been told them, that trials and persecutions and tribulation would come upon the end-time church. They don't know that. They don't don't really get it. That's that's one possible way. Or two, that just before the daybreak, that events will be of such a nature that it will be difficult to realize that Jesus is standing on the shore and that daybreak is coming very quickly. And he is indeed about to call us all to the shore. I mean, that's what's promised, right? He said, except, you know, those days be cut short, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, right, he's going to intervene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we see him beginning to intervene. But what we know from the scripture, and Brother Jeremy, that's where I want you to turn right now. Bearing all this in mind that we're talking about. We're not going to rush through this. We're going we're gonna to take our time this week and really look at this because this is very serious stuff we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very mindful of what it is we're putting out there right now. And, and we know we're not taking this as some kind of, you know, uh, study on end time thing. No, no, no. We believe that whether it's, you know, however many days ahead, it's coming. We see it happening. And, and, and if 2020 teaches us anything, things can happen in the blink of an eye, in the snap of a finger. You can be going one way and suddenly the world events change overnight. And and so bearing these things in mind, let's look at what John wrote to us with with this fourth verse that he's hinting at the trials and persecution, but he emphasizes the standing of the Lord on the shore and what that might be implying to those who understand the Word of God in the book of Revelation. Would you turn over there, brother, to Revelation chapter 5? Now remember, bearing in mind... This is the tribulation period. This is quite possibly the great tribulation period that we're beginning to witness in the way that John wrote the historical account. So we know that the morning is coming. Jesus now stands on the shore. Are you in Revelation chapter 5? Yes. Take a look at this. Remember, he's standing on the shore, shore being a type of heaven. When we see Jesus standing on the shore or standing in heaven in Revelation chapter 5. It's very interesting the way John writes. And and he says this uh, in verse, read, read to us, Brother Jeremy, 5 through 7, would you?
0: Yes. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came, and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne.
1: So what we see being given an account here in heaven now. Remember, uh, the church uh, is is on the earth is in a a troubled position. The tribulation period, whatever you want to call it, in the book of Revelation. What John witnesses. Is, is his attention is now drawn to the Father who's sitting on a throne in verse 1, and he has in his hand the book of judgment, which is sealed with seven seals. When you get down into the fifth verse, by then he's weeping and crying because nobody has been found to, worthy to, to take that book out of his hands and institute the wrath of God, the judgment of God upon the earth. Uh, the onset of the tribulation period. That's what, which will culminate uh, with 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 the wrath of God being poured out on on the ungodly. The rescue of the church just before that. Now, when we get to this place where he 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 is declared to be the one who prevails, we come to verse six. Now, remember what we're talking about, John 21 verse four. It's just before the daybreak, and that's when Jesus appears to them in the darkest time of the night between three and six o'clock in the morning and how John sees him and describes him is standing on the shore and 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 the shore uh being a an allegory or a metaphor for heaven, and Jesus standing in this particular point of the story of john twenty one four it's during the time when they're striving on the sea, and we've already discussed that. So the, it, what what's being revealed here then, I think, in the way that John writes, is when we see a standing Jesus, it's it's hearkening to, and remember what we said, this 21st chapter was written uh, uh, the, around the same time as the book of Revelation. It's one of the last things right. he wrote. So when, when he uses the phrase stood, that's what we see in verse six, right? I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders. Stood a lamb and what's he standing to do he's standing to take the book and to loose the seven seals and so it's quite possible what John is inferring in timing wise is that just before the daybreak which is the second coming of the Lord it's going to be incredibly dark and and so he reveals him as standing to alert us to the fact that now the process is about to begin Jesus is standing on the shore just as he sees him standing in heaven, which is the shore, right? So to speak. And he's about to open the seven seals. That's how we see him. In verse six, like we said, the, we see the Lamb standing. He goes to take the book out of what? The right hand, right? Jeremy in verse seven, can you read that? Yes.
0: And I beheld, in verse seven? Yes. Yes. And he came and took the book. Out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne.
2: Remember
1: what's about to happen when Jesus uh, finally speaks to them in verse 5 of John chapter 21, verse 5, when he asks them, children, have you any meat, right? And they tell him, no, we ain't got no meat. And then he says, what? Cast the net, where? On the right hand of the boat, on the right side of the boat. This is all very symbolic language John's using in the way that he recorded the historical event. And so when we get to that point, uh, what we're actually witnessing, the right side is the side of God. It's the side of the Father. It's the place, um, <laughs> it's the place that, that what's being identified is the separation between the, the fish in the sea that belong to the world and the fish in the sea that belong to Jesus. And that's why he will have them cast that net on the right hand side. But first, let us, let us, let us look that he takes the book out of the right hand of the father in order to do something and that's to loose the seven seals again (laughs) so then in john 21 4 we see therefore uh you know in its detailed use of the precise wording it seems to be hinting that that a standing jesus on the shore is that lamb standing in heaven ready to open the seven seals in heaven which really are the final chapters and and the midnight to daybreak chapters of human history and the saving of the Lord's church. Because that's what's about to happen, right, brothers? He's about to call them off the sea with a bunch of fish. Yes. Isn't that what happened in chapter 21? Yes. Uh-huh. Now, yes. now go over to Revelation 6, uh, and we'll look at something, because that's why it's dark, and I think he's hinting. But also including that the sun's about to rise in Revelation chapter six, when Jesus gets to the fifth seal, uh, we know that something is prophesied here, and it's not it's not a, it's not a a fun thing to talk about. But but we as as ministers and brothers and 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 and, and lovers of the body of Christ, because they belong to the Lord, we must. In all honesty, we must put forth the whole counsel of God. It'd be much easier for us to just come here and tell you that everything's going to be great. You don't have to worry about it. You know, it's not applying to you. Uh, and, and, and even so, he's, he's going to come and just snatch you out of here before anything bad happens because you're an American and you're a Republican and you wear a MAGA hat. No, I'm kidding. No, that ain't <laughs> going to happen. No, I'm just being, I'm just being mischievous there. No, seriously. Uh, but that's that's the tragic place that the church in the West has come to, right? We wrap ourselves mm-hmm. in the American. We, we think Jesus is coming back on a red, white, and blue horse. I mean, it's insane. You know, we we've hitched we've hitched ourselves to the political systems of men, and we have completely lost what the Scripture has taught us: is that our home and our kingdom is not of this world. You gonna say something, brother? okay so let's take a look let's take a look at revelation chapter six and would you read to us the opening of the fifth seal because i think that opening of the fifth seal is what we're what's being hinted at by john because he starts by saying remember the sun is about to come up but there's still a little season sometime between three and six o'clock which which has a sense of foreboding Uh, uh, That's about to descend Because they don't know that it's Jesus That Jesus is standing On the shore right They don't know that he's actually got up And has now taken the book out of the right hand Of him that sits on the throne He's standing on the shore of heaven And he's opening the book And they don't know it Read verse 6 through 9 When we get to the fifth seal The opening of the fifth seal It brings about a
0: trial upon the church Can you read that? Yeah, you want me to start at verse nine? Yes, nine through eleven. Okay. And when he
1: opened the Wait a minute. And when you get to verse eleven, remember what you you pointed out to us when you said, you looked up those words. That between the 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 darkest point of the night and then the breaking of the of the day that John's referencing uh, in the story we're following, uh, is is a short season, right? Just a, a little season between three o'clock and six o'clock in the morning before the sun comes up so so as you go along there we'll see that same pattern
0: unfold as you begin to read the opening of the fifth seal verse 9 i'm sorry go ahead amen and when he had opened the fifth seal i saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of god and for the testimony which they held and they cried with a loud voice saying how long o lord holy and true Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? White robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season unto their fellow servants and also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So what we see here then
1: at the opening of the fifth seal, our attention is drawn really to the collective saints throughout the ages, going all the way back to Abel, up until the time that this fifth seal is open. Once the fifth seal is open, the attention is drawn to them, and, and we see them pictured uh, underneath the altar. You know, the, this altar that's being referred to is, is, is seen in type in the tabernacle. It's the altar of incense before the Holy of Holies. This is the altar that's before God in His His throne. This is this is this is that holy place. You know, it's, it's, it's the it's the altar of incense. It's where prayers uh, were symbolically offered by the high priest and the priests on a daily basis before the holy of holies, before the throne of God. So in heaven, we're actually seeing it. And and what what happens when the fifth seal is opened? is is it's almost as if all of a sudden we find ourselves there witnessing this because that's what happened to John. He says, uh, he opens the fifth seal and it's, it's like, boom, there I am. And I'm seeing all these souls crying out to God and, and asking how long is it going to be until you avenge our blood. Now you're talking about the saints from the beginning to the end. Remember, <laughs> oh my goodness. You remember when we talked about What was taking place on the first day of, of, uh, you know, the three days and three nights, you know, uh, what was going on there. And then when Jesus told Mary, uh, you know, don't touch me because I haven't ascended. And we talked about him leading captivity captive into heaven itself. These are the souls of them that he led captivity. Remember, they don't have a body. We're all waiting that glorious heavenly bond. But our souls are intact, and 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 the quality of, of personality and the ability to recognize—very fascinating stuff. But it's as if they were brought and and placed here, and 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 they ever live to cry out and to pray before the Lord, and and they're they're calling for justice. But then what's revealed in verse eleven is quite possibly veiled and seen in 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 verse four of chapter twenty one. Where we have the daybreak coming, the time between three and six in the morning, uh, when we see that that what they're told is is wait, they're being clothed with white robes in verse eleven, Revelation six eleven, uh, unto every one of them, and it was said that they should rest yet for a little season, and and so we see a small brief period of time between uh, three and six in the morning, we see a uh, we see the Lord standing on the shore. And what we see there, therefore, is quite possibly John hinting at the standing and the reason they don't recognize that the Lord, the Lord is actually doing these things is because we're up under some incredible, uh, um, perilous and, 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 uh, tumultuous times. And what's being predicted here is, is, is what we're already beginning to see is a rise and an increase of persecution towards those who call themselves by the name of the Lord and there is a fellowship that yet awaits the end time church like like with the early church the early church went through incredible persecution by the by the uh by the forerunners of the antichrist those ungodly caesars whether it was caligula or or nero or or, uh, or domitian you know go down the list i mean they they thoroughly persecuted the church and then and then you know we see a fellowship of sorts at the end of time will we'll also and that's already happening it's not like <laughs> we've been discussing it. it's already happening you know the audacity of the western church to think that it's the church when there are millions of our brothers and sisters around the world already suffering these very things that we're talking about it, it is a, it is an arrogance of of of, of, a, of a shameful nature that has caused a doctrine to emerge within western um you know uh, slothful overfed over vacationed Christian culture in this country that that wouldn't that that thinks persecution is 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 me being cut off on the freeway or someone yelling at me because uh you know I have a, a sticker on my car that says, "Jesus is Lord, I'm being persecuted. you have no idea what persecution is. What's actually happened and transpired throughout the ages and around the world and 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 so what's coming? we must be warned and we must be vigilant and we must be sober and we must be wise in what we do. It is why Jesus directs their attention in in, in the coming days We'll look at this. And there are things that happen, but he tells them specifically. When John begins to talk about the, uh, the abundant fish that they're about to catch on the right side of the boat, what we're actually seeing there is the rescue of the church from the planet because he drags them to the shore. And remember, the fish must be removed from the sea before the sea can be judged. That's what we see next, right? Because it gives way... Yeah. To the to the sixth seal, can you read the sixth seal to us, brother?
0: Uh, yes. Verse
1: twelve.
0: Yes. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood.
1: What we're witnessing.
0: The, no, that's good.
1: What we're witnessing in 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 John's account. In the 21st chapter is the very pattern that we're witnessing here in the loosing of the seals because as you go on and read it on your own those of you that are listening you'll see that he calls them off the sea and he's going to call his church out of the sea if you will he's going to remove us from the sea but not before a little season of intensity comes and, and the opening of of the sixth seal. Is 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 about to bring the wrath of God upon the planet, the wrath of God, and we know that the Scripture teaches us that we're not appointed under wrath. But the fifth seal is only for a small season, and we know Scripture with Scripture comparing Scripture with all this stuff. Uh, we know that 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 there somewhere within the final three and a half years of human history is when we will be taken off this planet, and the wrath of God will be poured out upon this planet the wrath of god is not for the children of god but where we have made the mistake through the years is assuming that the wrath of god is the same as tribulation and it's not right we know right (laughs) the wrath of god is intended for the ungodly and so what we see in john's account then is 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 that darkest hour before the morning and jesus
2: standing on the shore
1: I know
2: this is difficult uh, I'll, for I'll some of you. It, it, go ahead. It's spot on. I mean, we, we we brought out how when Jesus stands, it's a judicial uh, stance or, or, or a position where he's ready to judge. We brought that out in Stephen's account, uh, martyrdom. Okay. We brought that out in uh, uh, the Song of Solomon um, and, and other places in the Scripture. So the Scripture bears that out. So when Jesus is standing at the shore. Uh, prophetically hidden in that is it speaks of him standing as judge, ready to judge, as we as we uh, pointed out in the book of Revelation, right, where John um, uh, wept because there was nobody worthy to open up the seals, right? But Jesus is; he's the one who stands as judge. So, so this this is where we have to begin to shift our understanding of the end times, and in particular, the timing of the coming of the Lord. Because here in the West, we focus so much on tribulation. When does it take place? Will we be going through it or will we not? And we put the emphasis or focus of understanding end times on tribulation instead of focusing on when does God's wrath begin? Because that's when we can begin to see that prior to that, there is a rapture. And if we take that approach, we will begin to see that scripture lines up and begins to show us that. It's yes. a template that fits perfectly in, in, in the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, and anywhere where there is hidden prophecy concerning the end times. What we need to ask ourselves is, where do we see the wrath of God beginning? Because that is the thing that God promised we would not go through. First uh, yes. Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, for we are not appointed unto wrath. But we seem to, to focus on tribulation. Right? Will will we go through it or will we not? That's not really what we should be asking. So Jesus standing at the shore tells us that he's ready to pour out his wrath. But before yes. that happens, there has to be a, a dividing of, of, of the fishes, right? Those that belong to him and those that are of this world. And, yes. and, and again, there is a Tiberius-like system already on the sea. Yes. That's right. And what does that mean? That the system is implemented. The the, the system of Antichrist is here. Yes, it it's is It's already there. And, and as we go along, you know, it, it, like you said, this this is not your your classical way of teaching uh, prophecy, but it is what Scripture is telling us in, in, in pattern. It does not break from pattern prophetically. Right? And that is going that... to really it's going to really challenge the way the things we've been taught concerning the end times.
1: Right. Yeah, and that, and that's the key what you just said and what we said at the beginning of this podcast was that it the it, we must remain within the confines of orthodoxy. <laughs> the fancy words again. It must line up with the with the established prophetic doctrine that's plainly revealed in the scripture. But what we're right. what we're what we're exploring and where we're taking our, our, our brothers and sisters that, that hang out with us on these podcasts, we're, we're leading. We're, we're taking this journey together because what the Holy Spirit is revealing is that the Word of God has hidden within it profound and 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 magnificent uh, revelation that is concealed from all but the sincerest of seekers of God he has not left us without witness it's as if he has hidden in plain sight something that can only be discerned by those who are sincerely seeking after him he is going to give us the 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 the, the template he's giving us the plan he's unfolding the purpose he's revealing Power to navigate ourselves in these most tumultuous of times, and he always sets precedent by revealing it ahead of time so that we can adjust ourselves accordingly, spirit, soul, and body, so that we will then begin to understand statements like he that endures till the end, right? Except those days be cut short, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, they shall be cut short. We are not all going to die, Paul said, but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, so forth and so on. There there are those that are appointed and they're already going through it. Just ask all those Christians and and families that were brutalized by ISIS a few years back when they swept through the Middle East, burning churches, killing women and children and, and, uh, and beheading people. Have you forgot? That was only a couple of years ago. You know, they took those beautiful 21 brothers from uh, the Coptic church in Egypt, ISIS did, put them in in orange jumpsuits and marched them to the Mediterranean Sea there in Libya and publicly uh, executed them by by cutting off their heads, for God's sake. Don't tell me this isn't going on. Don't tell me this isn't happening. You know, you go back to your little, uh, you know, Tap dance, wear a ballerina outfit kind of preacher if you want to. But we're talking to real believers here who understand the stakes are high, our Mm -hmm. families are at stake, that souls and eternity is standing before us, and we need to grow up and understand that our Lord is coming and that He has prepared a kingdom for us from the hallelujah, from the foundation of the world. And he took yeah. upon himself the wrath of God for us when he cried out on Calvary, it is finished into thy hands. I commend thy spirit so that anyone who comes to him while we yet have uh, some time to do that and ask him to be our savior, we are safe and we will not be touched uh, by the second death. Right? That, that, that ultimate judgment when we stand before the throne room of God, we are his children. And so he's telling us: prepare, open your eyes, be wise as serpents, and yet harmless as doves. Mm. This is not something, right? This all through Scripture, uh, these things have been revealed. They've been foretold to us. Whether it was the three, whether it was the three Hebrew children that were thrown in the fiery furnace, right? Uh, but but what happened when they went into the fiery furnace? They told the king, they said, look, whether he delivers us or not, we're not going to bow. We're not going to worship your image, right? And and so he gets all mad and he throws them into the fiery furnace. But but then all of a sudden he saw the fourth man in the fire, praise God. (laughs) He saw the Lord was with them in the fire. Or what about the prophet Daniel, right? They cast him into the lion's den. But even there, the Lord was present and he stopped the mouths of the lions. Right. What about Peter? I, I was thinking about Peter the other day. I think well, under the threat of Herod's execution in the morning, he was chained in the dungeon of the prison between two guards, right? Persecuted for his faith. It was then 16. the Lord sent his right. The Lord sent his yeah. angel and freed yeah. him and let him out of the prison. See, he's going to come. He's going to send his angels, praise God, <laughs> and he's going to t- cast that net and take us out of the sea and bring us to the shore. The Lord yeah. stood on the shore of heaven, uh, even as, as as Peter was martyred. I mean, Stephen was martyred, right? He said, I saw the heaven open and Jesus standing. It's, it's always been there. Or whether it's our Lord himself, the supreme example to his church, who entered the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed his way through it, and came out the other end full of the power of Almighty God to endure what was set before him. And he cries down through the corridors of the last 2,000 years of history and says, take up your cross and follow me. It is the pathway to the open tomb. It is the glory of God that awaits on the other side. It is the echo of the voice that's inviting us and calling us to the mark of the high calling is how P- Paul described it. This is where we 're headed, and the devil has worked overtime for for a century plus to put the church to sleep and, and, to, mm-hmm. and, to, and to and to uh to lure it subtly into the trinkets and delicacies of this world, and then wrapped it and and couched it in in uh, evangelical uh, religious terms so as to as to ensnare the Spirit to the point where it was no longer reachable by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to where people turned their ears off to it and called it doom and gloom because they didn't want to hear it. Take away from us the Holy One of Israel. Preach smooth things to us. Prophesy nice things to us. We're heaping to ourselves teachers having itching ears. But Paul said, and God has always revealed to us, there is, there remaineth a remnant. Just like in the days of Elijah, there's 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. There are those that are hearing the voice of the Spirit. Those that are, that are sensing a shift in what has taken place on the planet. And God is calling us, all of us, it's a refining fire. It's beginning to strip away every single thing about us. If you'll allow Him to have His work. We will be ready. We will be ready. So whether we live or whether we die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But Paul goes on to say, but I'll also show you a mystery, right? We're not all going to sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, right? For the Lord himself is coming, and he's going to send his angels to gather his elect out of the world. He's going to take us out of the sea." That's what we'll see in the rest of this, this scripture tomorrow uh, when we go into it. Because Peter's going to throw himself into the sea. Why? We're going to look at that. We've been promising to get there, but we're headed there. We had to get here first. <laughs> because there's, there's something really cool going to happen in verse 6. That, that's that snatching away of his fish out of the sea. And then before they get drawn to the shore completely, Peter jumps into the sea. And he girts his fisher's coat around him. I wonder why. We'll look into that. But brother Jeremy, I want you to to, to close today, to to bring some encouragement, because I know we've probably scared half the people to death. <laughs> but I hope you turn back and tune back in uh, with us, and and uh, and continue to fall. You don't have to be afraid. That's There's right. no fear, right? There's no fear. There's life eternal. Brother Jim, we turn over to Romans chapter eight and listen to how the apostle Paul talks, because it brings us great encouragement, great strength. Romans chapter eight. Yes. Are you there? Yes. Would you Would you read to us? Uh, I think it's uh, verse thirty thirty-five. Yes. yes. Verse thirty Verse thirty-five uh, through through
0: thirty-nine. Would you? Yes. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise the Lord.
1: That's how God's servants talk he didn't he didn't yeah. he, he didn't promise you a rose garden there, but he said, "I tell you what he said, basically to paraphrase it, nothing in this world is going to be able to separate you from God, whether it's tribulation, whether it's persecution, whether it's life, whether it's death, height, length, breadth, anything. nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are headed somewhere glorious. The issue is, do you believe it?" The issue is how deep does the relevance of what you say you believe truly enter into the most hidden parts of your soul and your spirit, the very bowels of your being? Because that's the kind of children he's coming for. Radical message? You're darn right it's radical. It took <laughs> Jesus all the yeah, way yeah. to the cross. Yes. Yeah. There is no other way. This world is passing away. And and we will head nowhere but where our Lord has been before us and ahead of us. And he told us, in the world you're going to have tribulation. But I'm glad he didn't leave it there, he said. But never fear, for I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. And he's coming back for you. He's coming back for me. I tell you what, this momentary light affliction, that's how Paul called it, is not even worthy to be compared with with the glory that's going to be revealed in all of his sons and daughters not too many days from now and we will join ourselves together with the most incredible fellowship that's existed throughout human history that has always looked to him always heard his voice and always responded to the love of God in Christ that is what we're talking about and that is what we're hoping that you will find joy, not fear promise not peril, hope, not hazard in the things that we call the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming again. question is, are you ready? And can you hear his voice say, come away, come and dine. Praise the Lord.
0: Brother Jeremy? Praise God. Praise God. There's nothing. There's nothing that God will allow us to go through that we cannot handle. Amen? That he cannot handle. When I read the accounts of martyrs, of people who gave their lives, I don't see fear in their lives. I see a boldness that I cannot understand. That I don't know if if I will have to experience that one day, but I pray that if I do, that I will be bold and stand up and give and be ready that if we have to give our lives for his name, that's what I desire. You know, and so I'm encouraged. Thank you for this encouragement, Brother Marty, my brothers. Please. You know, um, it's it's not easy. I want you to understand as, as a shepherd, it it's not easy to speak about these things. Uh, You know, because that's not how we want to come to you, but it's in the Word, and these things are necessary. They're necessary. I tell you, if you keep these things hidden in your heart, when that day comes, you will be grateful because you will be reminded of what you heard in this hour. And we pray, we really do pray that you are encouraged And that our love will be such for the Lord that nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God. We love you. May God bless you. May God keep you. We're looking forward to having you tomorrow in another study of the word of God. And keep looking up.